So Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's people following Jesus, uh, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They'd heard the sound, but they hadn't seen anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind, and he didn't eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. Here he is. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias replied, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up, was baptised, and took some food and regained his strength. Lord God, we might know this story well, but we pray that something from it would, would reach our hearts this morning. So please come, Holy Spirit. As we think of those wise men following the star to Jesus, we pray that we might follow you more, more deeply today through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So my uh, dissertation was all about something called treasure hunting. Not the kind of treasure hunting that pirates do with treasure and spades and chests, but quite a weird charismatic thing that might freak some of you out. Um, That's okay. It's a bit of a weird thing that some weird Pentecostals do, where we gather and we pray and we listen to God for, for kind of clues. And we might feel God say, give us the name of a person or the name of a place or something like that, and we'll go to that place and see if the person's there, and we'll go up to them and say, we'd love to pray for you. And I remember doing it at a college, I'll just tell you the story, because it is related to this. We did it at college, a few of us that were into this thing, we did it at college, and we got a sense of God asking us to go to the railway station for a man uh, with an umbrella and a limp and a red coat. So we all traipsed down to the railway station at Clifton and we stood there. And in about five minutes, we saw a man matching that description, limping along with a coat, with an umbrella and a red coat. And we were like, this is him. And, and what we did was we wrote down the clues so we could go up to them. And we'd say to people, we know this is weird, 
we're Christians, we believe God works today. And look, these are the clues that God's given us, if you like, to come and pray. And we think this is you. Can we pray for you? It's a bit weird, but if you name the weirdness, people are normally okay with it. If you think it's not weird, then that itself is a bit weird. So you go up, you name the strangeness, and usually you get a fairly good response. This man um, told me quite loudly to F off, <laughs> was miraculously healed because he legged it <laughs> down the road. And I thought, that, that, that was probably the man that God wanted me to pray for, maybe, if, if I got that response. But that's the kind of thing that, that we did as treasure hunting. And my dissertation, basically, was, is this biblical, or is this a weird Pentecostal thing that we need to be wary of? And I focused on Acts 9, and I'll come to why in a minute, but I focused on Acts 9 as my, as my uh, study text about it. So I've got a lot of time for Ananias. And there's three things I want to briefly say about Ananias um, and all of these relate to us as we go into the new year here at St. Thomas's. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know if any of you have watched the film um, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. If you haven't, it's probably somewhere on Netflix or Amazon. I'd give it a go. If you're easily offended about God, maybe not. But it is quite funny and it teaches us, I think, some things about God. But basically, in Bruce Almighty, Bruce wakes up. He's not really a Christian. He wakes up one morning. It's a mainstream film. Um, it's Jim Carrey as Bruce. He wakes up. And he has a go at God, and he's like, oh, if I could, was God, I'd do a lot better and answer prayers. And God shows up. Um, he appears as, oh, who's the chap that plays him? He often plays God. I've forgotten his name. Anyway, God shows up and says, okay, Bruce, if you can do better, you can be God for a week. And so Bruce, all, all of a sudden, Bruce is God for a week. And he, and he does quite funny things like part the soup like it's the Red Sea. And he does quite naughty things with his wife in the bedroom that we can't talk about until after nine o'clock. Um, but but he, he does lots of stuff that's quite amusing. But, but there are some parts of the film where, where, where like, he, he says yes to everyone's prayer being answered. So everyone wins 20p on the lottery because um, everyone wins the lottery. So it's quite an amusing thing. But, but the point is this. In this film, Bruce Almighty, which is all about God and how God works, the, the chap who plays God shows up for maybe four minutes of the whole film. If you've seen the film Evan Almighty, which is another film of the same lines where a chap called Evan, who is a news anchor, becomes a modern-day Moses, um, God appears for about 30 seconds in a restaurant. And the reason I share that is because that's a bit like Ananias in terms of his word count. The number of lines he has in the story isn't much, but his impact for the kingdom is massive. Ananias has two-thirds of a chapter tucked away in Acts that often we miss out because we want to get to the good bits of the exorcisms and the healings and that bit of Acts. Ananias only has half a chapter. And yet the impact that Ananias has for the kingdom is significant. Can you, I mean, just think for a moment. If Ananias had said, no, I'm not going to go and pray for Saul. I mean, I'm sure God and his plan would have worked it out. God is always good. But, but the impact that Ananias had for the kingdom, Paul, who went on to, to write um, lots of our New Testament through the power of the Spirit, Paul, who went on to, to preach the gospel and bring people to Jesus and think deep, theolo deep theological thoughts that help us today, would that have happened if Ananias had said, no, Lord, I'm not going? In some ways, Ananias kick-starts Paul's ministry journey through the help of the Spirit, and yet he has maybe, I don't know, few sentences in Acts chapter 9. 
I wonder if that's like us, that we can look, uh, and I can get ministry envy, if I'm honest, that I look at these speakers with big ministries, you know, they, they, they go to New Wine and everyone's hanging on their every word and they have all these books and, and all this stuff. But actually, when I look at Ananias, I think it's not about that. It's about the impact we have for the kingdom. It's not about our word count, if you like. Uh, and that's maybe an encouragement for all of us, that maybe it's easy to think, oh, all I get to do during my week is, is do this little bit for church. All I get to do when I'm waiting at the bus stop is maybe mention that I'm going to church on Sunday. And that's it, because I don't want to talk about Jesus, because that might be weird and freak people out a bit like treasure hunting. All I do is this. It's easy for us to think that. But actually, it's not about our word count. It's about the impact we have for the kingdom. Revelation 2 and 3, we've been going through Revelation. And I've only noticed this week, this phrase that comes up twice, sorry, four times in two chapters of Revelation. The simple phrase, God says, I know your deeds. And in the context of Revelation, that's a good thing and a bad thing. He's saying to the church, I know your deeds, and they're lukewarm. And then he says to another church, I know your deeds, and you love me. God knows our deeds. And that's both an encouragement that even if we don't have a massive word count, if we're not someone that's on the stage with loads aligned, it's okay. It's about our kingdom impact. But it's also a slight challenge. God knows our deeds. So that's my first point from Ananias this morning. His word count doesn't reflect his kingdom impact. So don't worry if you feel that your word count or the lines you get to say aren't a main character. Number two, Ananias is praying and he gets a vision, and he doesn't go, oh my goodness, I'm getting a vision, that's really weird. He goes, that's about something a bit strange. You really want me to go and speak to Paul? So, so what is happening here is Ananias hearing from God is, is clearly quite normal. I don't know about you, but if I had a vision when I was praying, or God speaking that clearly, I'd be a bit like, whoa, okay, that's a bit unusual. That's a bit weird. <laughs> For Ananias, hearing God speak is perfectly normal. That's not the point of the story. In fact, later on when he's healed, that's not the point of the story either. The point of the story is the conversion of Saul. Hearing God speak is normal. And also for Ananias, he hears God specifically. I'm a raving charismatic, remember? Card-carrying charismatic. I love that stuff. But some of me gets a bit funny when someone stands and says, and maybe I do this sometimes, I have a sense that someone here has a headache. And you think, well, of course, there's a hundred of us, David. Of course someone's got a headache. Or someone here has come in feeling upset. Yeah, really, of course they have. There's a hundred of us. I'm pretty sure someone's upset. I'm not saying that God doesn't speak generally. Of course he does. But, but what we have here, I think, is a challenge, actually, that, that we can hear specifically from God. This is why we look at the treasure hunting that we did. God told us to go to a certain place to look for a certain person. And this is where we look at the spirit, didn't say to Ananias, I'll go and just hang around and find someone that could do with some prayer. He says, go to this place, you'll see this person, this is what he's done, this is what you need to pray for. And that's a challenge for me to to be a bit more um, open to what God's saying in a specific way and not think, oh God said this, I'm going to go, but just spend a bit more time in his presence and think, okay Lord, what are you saying to me specifically? I wonder how we hear God speak to us. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I wonder how you hear God speak to you. Often, primarily, it's through his word. The more we read the Bible, the more God speaks to us, because this is his words, and random Bible verses might pop into our head, or we'll open the Bible and something will jump out, and you'll think, 
I mean, you must have done this, but you're reading something, you think, I've never read that before, but you know you've read Psalm 23 a million times, but something from it jumps out and hits you, and that's God speaking to you through his words. Sometimes we do get visions. Sometimes we do get a sense in what I call my God tummy. Something just happens, and I go, ooh, all of a sudden I think I need to do this. Maybe that's from God, and often it is. That's how God might speak to us. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet. Ananias heard God speaking specifically to him. The challenge for us this morning, as we go into 2004, are we open to God speaking? Sometimes being a bit weird, God can be weird, and God speaking specifically with detail, not generally. Finally, You'll be pleased to hear. Ananias is obedient. There's almost no point in hearing God speak if we're not going to do what he says. Uh, Ananias does seem a little bit reticent, <laughs> understandably. This chap's been going around killing people, stoning them to death, throwing them in prison. He's not skipping off to his house. But he doesn't say no. He just kind of says, can, can I just clarify, Lord, that's what you want me to do? Can I just be sure? In, in, a similar way, in, in a similar way, maybe, that Mary said, Lord, how can this be? Ananias says, look, Lord, I've heard what's going on. And God says, yes, go. This man is my chosen instrument. So many of the Old Testament prophets are like this. Really, Lord? Is that what you're going to do? And he comes to Saul and he calls him brother. I mean, I'd probably rock up and go, right... God's told me that you're going to be a Christian now and do loads of good stuff. And I'm a bit annoyed about that because why couldn't he choose me? But okay, I'm going to pray for you and then I want to have a word with you about killing my best mate last week. But he doesn't. He opens with brother Saul. He's part of the family. And he baptises him. John 14, 23, again the words of Jesus. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's a hard line from scripture, isn't it? But, but Jesus wants our obedience. And so as we go into 2024, I wonder if we can stand with Ananias and say, even when it's going to be a bit tricky, even when we want to turn around and go, really, Lord? We're going to do our best to be an obedient people. Three things there this morning from Ananias, the unsung hero. His word count doesn't reflect his impact. He hears God speak, and it's normal to hear God speak, and he is obedient. And as we come into close, last year we looked at our vision and values. And this is an ongoing thing. You'll have one of these to take home. But we tried to do what Ananias did. We tried to think, okay, we're going to listen to God and see what God is saying to us for, for our church. And we're going to try and be obedient. And I just want to remind you of all the values that I'm sure you know of by heart because they're on your fridge and you recite them every night as you get into bed. I'm sure you do that. Um, that we, just, we wanted to be a church that's gathering and growing and going and doing all that in the power of the Spirit. Because if it's not for the Holy Spirit, none of this will happen. Ananias was spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit as his scales fell off. It's all about him. So we wanted to be a church that's gathering for worship, word and ministry why we're here we love we, we, why we're here on a Sunday morning because we love gathering with each other it's exciting to see what God's going to do we worship we open the Bible together we minister to each other we want to be a church that's growing we grow in depth of our love for Jesus and our knowledge of the Bible we grow younger that's not saying we have an age limit in church and if you're under a certain age we don't welcome you in it's just not an, an acknowledgement that as a church we are skewed one way that's okay but we want to try and encourage families as well and we want to be growing in number. We're unashamedly, uh, unashamedly, is that a word? 
It is now. We are unashamed in saying, look, we want to be a church that's growing. And we don't do stuff in order to grow, but we pray that by doing the right stuff, we will see growth, because that's what Jesus says, go and make disciples. And we are. We will know that on a Sunday morning, often we have to get more chairs out and we run out of coffee. These are good things. And all of that leads us into a church that's going to love and tell and transform. And I'll give you one of these to take out on the way home, so... You remember these things. And there's also a prayer to take home, if you'd like to, the covenant prayer. We're not going to say it this morning together because it's quite hard to pray. It's a big deal. But I do invite you to take that home and maybe grab a coffee or a cup of tea and read it through together. Ananias, then, this unsung hero, encourages us to listen to the prompting of the Spirit and to be obedient. And so our prayer for St. Eve's into 2024 is that as we gather, grow and go in the power of the Spirit, we will stick closely to the leading, not of the star, but of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray together before we go into the next part of our worship this morning. Loving God, we thank you for the model of Ananias, the unsung hero. He might have had a small word count, but he had a big impact. He might have had a bit of reticence, but but he was obedient. And hearing you speak was normal. And so, Lord, we long for that sense of knowledge from your Holy Spirit that we might know you and know your guidance into 2024 as we gather, grow and go in the power of the Spirit. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name.